is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, find the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm your host, Mac Pritchard. I'm also the founder of MaxList. It's a job board in the Pacific Northwest that helps professionals find fulfilling careers. To get your dream job, you need clear goals, great skills, and a good network. You also have to know how to look for work. Recently, we did a listener survey, and we heard from many listeners about what you like about the show and the topics you like to hear about. You also shared with us some of your top job hunting questions. I thought we'd use this bonus episode today to answer those questions. So we picked out five, and I'm joined here in, in the studio by our Max List podcast producer, Jessica Black. Jessica, welcome back to the microphone. Hi, Mac. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. Uh, for the benefit of listeners, Jessica's here every week running the soundboard, but she does a lot more than that. She keeps us on track, schedules interviews, and gives me a very uh, useful feedback about what I do behind the mic. Today, she's going to go back to her old job um, running the Maxless mailbag. <laughs> That's right, in a sense, the <laughs> electronic mailbag. Okay. So we've got five questions uh, from uh, different listeners around the country. We're going to spend about two minutes talking about them. What's the first item you've got? We have a question from Laura Feller here in Portland, and she asks, I always hear, meet people in your industry. Well, what if you don't have a specific industry? Well, two answers here, Jessica. I think you may have an occupation that you're uh, involved in. Maybe it's public relations, administrative assistant, uh, uh, maybe you're an accountant, and you're not working, say, in the finance industry or government or or you're interested in, in working in different sectors. So if you are committed to an occupation, find the professional association for that job. And, and, and that's where you can meet people who work, do the kind of work that you enjoy doing. And they'll be from different industries. And it may be that it's the occupation that drives your job search. You want to be a CPA, and you could work for a nonprofit, you could work in the shoe industry, but you want to be a CPA. Second, if you're not, if you're, if you do want to change industries and you don't know where you want to go, that's a challenge. So I would encourage you, Laura, to think about investing some time in getting clear about your career goals. And you can do that either through uh, books that will help you with self-assessment and goal setting. You can also work with a career coach. Uh, there are private advisors out there. Uh, if you're, you can get in touch with the career services office at a college or university you attended, they will often provide free services uh, on career coaching for grads, or you can get in touch with your state employment department. Yeah. Good answers. I'd also say just find events that you find interesting. Um, and you can also network, even if it's not a specific industry focused event, there's no harm in that. Yeah, great suggestion. What's uh, next in the mailbag? We have our next question is from Donna Andrews. She's also here in Portland. And she asks, is getting a certificate or an advanced degree at age 63 necessary to show that I'm current and relevant? I see the value in going back to school to establish a network, but it's a big time and financial commitment. It's a great question, and I like the spirit that's driving this, which is uh, Donna's interest in showing that she has current and relevant skills that are going to be useful to an employer. So I would say, Donna, 
it really depends on your career goals and what you want to do. And if you want to change sectors, uh, you may have to invest in some training and including a, a certificate program. But the best way to find out what kind of training uh, is going to be of most interest to an employer is to go out and talk to those hiring managers in the places where you want to work. And clearly, you've got to have a, a goal. You've got to know where you want to go and the companies that interest you. But I'm assuming you've got that. So I would encourage you to make a list of three to five hiring managers uh, who are at the companies or nonprofits where you might want to work. Ask them for a candid assessment of your skills and whether you're presenting them as effectively as possible in your application materials and resume. And ask them for their advice about what gaps they see if they were reviewing your resume or your application and how and and what advice they might have about how to fill those gaps. And it may be that it's uh, a certificate program. It might be a series of classes. Uh, it might be volunteer work. Uh, but the best way to find out is to go to the source itself, the people who make the hiring decisions. That's spot on. So we, next question we have from Jesse in Early Branch, South Carolina. And she, she says, how do you move up within a company when you aren't much of a quote-unquote people person? I appreciate the question, Jesse. Um, and I, I'm wondering uh, if sometimes when I hear variations of this question, it's from people who are shy or introverted. And they recognize the importance of building relationships. They're not quite sure how to do that in a professional setting. The, sometimes people I talk to think there's only one model, mm -hmm. and that is the backslapper, the the outgoing. The gregarious, Yeah, the extrovert. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that is one approach, but it's not the only one out there. I see so many successful introverts and shy people uh, in professional settings. And here's what I think they do well, Jesse. They play to their strengths. So mm -hmm. they know what they're good at. And they look for opportunities uh, to show to to do the things they both enjoy and are effective at. Now that might sound a little cryptic, so let's give some practical examples. Um, let's assume you're in a, a medium to large size company, and you know you've got to build relationships with someone with people in a particular department or part of the organization where you want to move up. So look for uh, events inside the company uh, where uh, you can connect with those people and play a role that you enjoy. So maybe it's uh, uh, some kind of networking event and you're a shy person, but you feel very comfortable checking people in at the registration desk. Maybe you know that it's important to build a relationship with um, a few key managers reach out to them one-on-one -on -one and invite yeah. them out to coffee. Uh, and I think most shy people, uh, I certainly was shy in my teens and 20s, are, you know, they. I think they're, they, they do, they're better in one-on-one -on -one settings. And so you don't have to stand on a stage or uh, tell jokes. Uh, figure out, just focus on what you're good at and focus on building relationships. We all build relationships through our lives, and we all know how to do that. And uh, I would encourage you to, to focus on that. Yeah, I think the value of those interpersonal conversations are really important. Um, even just having letting your 
your boss or supervisor know that you have an interest in taking on more responsibilities, that's going to, that's going to go a long way. And, um, you can, to max point, you can find areas where you are thriving and you can, you don't have to go outside of, of your personality or your, your own strengths to be able to do that. Yeah. I'd like your suggestion to share with others, Mm -hmm. particularly decision makers, what it is you want to accomplish for the company and what your goals are and and why you think you can make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Next question uh, from Christy Cushing from Salt Lake City. She asks, what is your advice for how to deal with the fear of your boss learning you're looking for employment outside of the organization? It's a a good question. Sometimes Mm. people talk about uh, stealth job searches. Mm -hmm. In other words, uh, you, you're ready to move and you don't know how long it will take to find a position. You don't want to jeopardize your current job. And um, you, often there's just no hard feelings. You just are, you recognize that it might take three, six, depending on where you are in your career, even nine or 12 months to mm-hmm. find the next gig. So I encourage you, if you are doing a stealth job search, don't tell people in the office, including trusted peers, that you're doing this. Uh, there might be one or two exceptions, but you've got to be discreet. Uh, and so you should uh, uh, instead turn to mentors and former coworkers outside the organization and make sure that uh, they understand that you're you don't want to do anything to jeopardize your your current job. And then when you're taking steps to increase your online presence, do it in a way that's natural. You don't want to go home one weekend and suddenly redo your entire LinkedIn page and uh, and the next weekend launch a portfolio page and then, uh, then start blogging about your field once a week. Uh, just take natural incremental steps that won't, uh, that will help you put your best foot forward online, uh, but uh, not attract attention. Don't look for work during company time. Exactly. That's a huge one. That's what yeah. I was going to say is yeah. do it on your own time. And, and that will alleviate a lot of the fear of your boss finding out because you're doing it on personal time. Yeah. And everybody has some vacation time or pay time off. And if you need to get, uh, do job search work during um, the business day, you know, take the occasional uh, vacation day and just say, or personal time and, and plan for that and stack up your, informational interviews or job interviews during those days. Uh, but you, what you want to avoid is the boss or peer discovering you've been using company equipment and company time to uh, update your resume, send out applications, or uh, to do informational interviews because that will come back and uh, to, to get you and it'll jeopardize your job, which is what you want to avoid. And it'll jeopardize the relationship that you have with your current employer, and that's that's even more of a risk that you don't want to that you don't want to take. Yeah. Don't burn any bridges. Um, do it in a. I think your point of just be natural about it, and um, but make sure to do it outside of company time. Yeah. All right. Final question. Uh, this comes from Ruby Labruschiano Caris from Portland, um, and she asks. Follow-ups after the application submission, yay or nay? A definite yay. Yes. And there are a number of ways to do this. If you have established contacts inside the company, 
So the place maybe you've wanted to, you know, you want to work. And so you've invested time uh, before replying to a posting in building relationships inside that firm. That's you. You'll have people on the inside who can tell you about the status of your application. Um, I think if you're responding to a posting on a job board, it's appropriate to call the HR department or send an email. And if that information isn't on the website or uh, included in the application instructions, to ask about the timetable for a decision. Uh, Smart employers pay attention to the application process and they keep applicants informed every step of the way. You might get, in response to a submission, if you don't have contacts inside a company, uh, an email that gives deadlines for um, making decisions. That doesn't often happen, but if it does and you don't hear back by a deadline mentioned in an email like that, you have the opportunity to um, to follow up and ask just about what the new date might be. Yeah, or if there are any updates that you should be aware of. Yeah. And it, again, um, I think it's it, if you apply and you don't hear in a week or two and there's no timetable given in a, uh, a posting, it is perfectly appropriate to contact the company and by phone or email and ask if they, um, uh, when they might make a decision. If you get somebody on the phone, I think you're going to have more success. Um, if you're communicating by email, I if you don't hear back, I recommend people follow the rule of three and just try three attempts. And if it doesn't work, um, let it go. The benefit of doing the follow-up is you want to find out what the employer's timeline and process is for making a decision. And having that information lets you know, uh, you know, candidly, if they're not particularly effective at communicating, whether your candidacy is moving forward or not. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And just a, a conversational and um, and gentle follow-up is never going to hurt as long as you are respectful and um, do it in a timely fashion. fashion. <laughs> yeah. Well, terrific. Well, th thank you, all five of you, for submitting your questions as part of our podcast listener survey. We will share information about the results of the survey uh, in the show notes for this episode. And and in the year ahead, as we get more questions from listeners, uh, we will probably do more bonus episodes like this, won't we, Jessica? Yeah, I think so. I think it's valuable to share what other what other job seekers are experiencing, and um, I think it benefits everyone. Yeah. And if you want more resources for improving your job search, check out the MaxList website. We offer hundreds of free articles, uh, dozens of success stories and webinars and podcast episodes all about the nuts and bolts of job hunting. Go to maxlist.org slash learn. In the meantime, thank you for listening to today's bonus episode of Find Your Dream Job. <laughs>